Welcome back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. We're working our way through the book of 1 Peter. It's an incredible letter that Peter wrote to some people that he called elect exiles, people who had been expelled from their homes by the Roman government, partially at least because their Christian faith was seen to be at odds with the the Roman reality of life. And so they were sent off to the, the nether regions of the Roman Empire for the purpose of colonization. And he writes to comfort these people who are facing persecution and who are suffering for their faith in order to comfort them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we find in this letter incredible comfort for ourselves as we suffer, if not for our faith, just in this life. We're reminded that there is real comfort in the gospel for Christians, even when we are suffering. The passage that we're looking at today in chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, are not easy passages to wrestle with. And they're not difficult so much because the syntax is hard or, or, or because there's some great exegetical difficulty with the passage. No, no, no. They're difficult because they fly in the face of what is, for many of us, our most cherished belief, and that is political freedom. They teach us to submit to governing authorities. So we're going to look at these verses, recognizing right up front that they're difficult. But what we're going to see is that our submission to governing authority is the will of God and therefore can be pursued with a heart of worship, with a heart of worship for our Savior. Let me pray for us, and then I'll read these verses and offer a few comments. Father, as we look at these verses that challenge us, so many of us, to our very core of what we believe and and what we think we know, we ask that you would give your spirit, that I might speak in his power, with his clarity, that we all might hear as he gives us ears to hear. We ask this in Christ's most precious name. Amen. Peter writes, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance and foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Well, as we look at this passage, it's not hard for us to see why this is a difficult passage. And so I'm going to walk through this in kind of four movements and help us kind of think through what this passage means and how it might apply to our present life. First of all, just looking at just kind of a simple explanation of the verses, right at the beginning, we're told to be subject to every human institution, every human institution. Submit yourself to it. But then, Peter gives us a reason for doing this. Be subject for the Lord's sake. In the original Greek, this prepositional phrase, which is the preposition dia, which we get words like diameter and things like that from, when it's accompanied with an accusative cased noun, which 
may mean nothing to you, and that's fine. It only has two options of meaning. It can either have a spatial option, like through something, which is pretty rare in the New Testament, and here just doesn't really make any sense, or it can have a causal reason, meaning the reason you're to be subject to every human institution is the Lord. So so that's what's going on here. What Peter is saying, we could translate it and get at the meaning this way. Be subject to every human institution because of Jesus. Okay, that's that's what Peter is saying right here. And then he, he explains some of that, whether it be to emperor supreme or to governors, right? So wh- whether it's the ultimate authority or earthly in, a, in an earthly sphere or to, to those who work under that ultimate authority, we're to be subject to them. And he says that these governors have been sent to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. And it's it's difficult. To, he doesn't give much clarity as to what he's defining, what he's using to define doing evil and doing good. But if we just let the context speak, it's probably obedience to the emperor, obedience to the authority. Being good would be submitting to the authority. Okay, so that that's what Peter is giving us here with this imperative. But then he goes on to say in verse 15, he takes it up a notch. And he says, this is the will of God. This submission to authority is the will of God for Christians. Being subject to every human institution because of Jesus, that is God's will for us. Oh man, so often we, we want to know, what's God's will for my life? Here, Peter's telling us, submit to the governing authorities because of Jesus. This is the will of God. And then the result is that by doing that, we silence the ignorance of foolish people. We silence those who say that, that Christians are here just to, to undo the world, that Christians are here to, to overthrow things, to reject authority. We're not. We're not actually. In this time where we live between two worlds, we're not here to be divisive. And our obedience, our submission to the human institutions that are placed over us, as we read in Romans 13, by God's sovereign decree, our submission to them silences the argument that we don't care about our neighbors, that, that we're not here to seek the good of other people, that silences the arguments that we only care about ourselves and, and our freedoms, that silences the arguments that we're here to be divisive. Then he says, keep your conduct among the... Gen-, or he says, uh, I'm reading the wrong verse, back to verse 16, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So again, if this good and evil thing is, is kind of obedience, submission to the governing authorities, and, and, and so, so ultimately submission to the emperor, and by doing that, we, we silence the ignorance of foolish people who say that we're just here to be divisive and cause problems, then what, what verse 16 tells us is that the freedom that we have in Christ isn't to be taken as a freedom to reject the authorities that God has put over us. But rather, what we are to do is live as servants of God. So the opposite of rejecting 
the authorities that God has put over us is serving God. When we submit to them, we're living as servants of God. Why can we say that? Well, Paul tells us in Romans 13, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God. Now, I get it. This opens up all kinds of what ifs, right? We're way too quick to run to the what ifs. We're way too quick to run there. What we're doing when we immediately run to the what ifs is trying to weasel out from under this idea that that we just don't like. Submitting to the governing authorities here is presented as living as faithful servants of God. And then he gives these these, uh, three more or or four imperatives. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Now remember, the original audience that that was receiving this, they were facing forced expulsion for the sake of Roman colonization. And they were facing it specifically, likely, as we look at the historical record, because their faith left them viewed as divisive to Roman society. So so they were expelled from the Roman capital and sent to the nether regions of the Roman Empire in order to bring about Roman colonization, likely at some level because their service to God, their devotion to Jesus left them viewed as troublemakers. So what Peter is telling them to do here is every chance you get, submit to the governing authorities to silence this idea that you're troublemakers, that you're divisive. Now, when we think about what's going on here, we also have an example of such such submission in our Savior Jesus Christ. The reality is the the crucifixion of Christ violated religious law. We know that. It violated Torah law. It was murder. It likely also apparently, because Pilate, when he looked at the trial, said, I find nothing wrong with him. It was probably also a violation of Roman law. There, There are so many reasons that Jesus could have said, no, you don't have the right to do this. But he submitted to the governing authorities, even to the point of dying. That's the example that we have in our Savior. Not asserting our rights, but faithfully being a servant of his Father, even when it meant an unjust death. Now, I get it. He was doing that to save his people from their sin. I understand that. None of us are the Savior. I get that. But that's not an undoing of what we're called to here. So let's take some contemporary application in the little bit of time that we have left. Let's think about this issue of masks because that's been a hot-button issue. First of all, We've been told to wear masks, particularly, let's focus it down just on coming to worship, wearing masks when we're coming to worship. We've been told to do this. We've been asked to do this by the governing authorities. We we can submit to them for the sake of Jesus. Peter tells us this is God's will for us. And that by doing this, somehow we silence the ignorance of foolish people. Now, here's the reality. You don't have to look very far to find this narrative that Christians 
don't actually care about their their fellow citizens, and that's why they're refusing to wear masks, that they're more concerned about their personal freedoms than about their neighbor. You don't have to look hard to find that narrative. It's out there. It's, it's fairly prevalent. We can silence that simply by wearing a mask. That, that's the reality of that situation. We can silence the language, the speaking, the foolishness, the ignorance that brings shame on the name of Christ simply by wearing a mask. Frankly, it's shameful that the governor of Arkansas just a few weeks ago had to make a special plea specifically to Christians because we were refusing to wear masks in worship and it was causing a spike in numbers associated with worship services. That is to our shame. Here's the reality. When we look at this particular issue in light of these verses, we should be wearing masks as an act of worship rather than refusing to worship because we have to wear masks. We should be doing this as an act of worship, as a way of living as servants of God because of Jesus. I get it, this flies in the face of our commitment to political freedom. It it flies in the face of our American ideals. I understand that. It it flies in the face and, and, and grates against our flesh. I get that. But it doesn't fly in the face of worship or of faithfully serving God or of walking in the steps of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what we're called to do. May Christ be with you. Amen.